Okay, I'd like to uh, call this meeting of the uh, Charter Committee uh, Review Committee together to order, if I may, for this evening. Uh, Shirley, could you please take a moment and uh, make your usual announcements? Sure. Um, if you have a cell phone or a pager, if you could turn it to silent or on vibrate, agendas and speaker slips are located in the back of the room. If you wish to speak, please complete one and turn it into Stephanie here at the front. We do have assisted listening devices, and they're available should anyone need them. And again, this meeting is being video streamed and can be accessed from the city's main website. Thank you. Shirley, I think we're ready for a roll call and your determination as to whether we have a quorum. Okay. Joanne Fuller. Yes. Cecily Hastings. Here. Grantland Johnson. Alan LaFosso. Here. Robert Murphy. Here. Chester Newland. Here. Chris Tapio. Here. John Taylor, Here. Tina Thomas, Here. and Jay Wisham, Here. and Chair Edgar. Here. We do have a quorum. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, Patty or Mark, do we have any staff comments? Just a brief review of the documents that you have received in the correspondence. Uh, since the last meeting, you've received an email and a document from Blair Bobier from the New America Foundation. There is an email dated September 11th, 2009 from Cliff Loveland related to the Elk Grove Charter Commission. We've contacted him. On September 3rd, there was an email received by an MD Moore. Questions uh, raised related to updates in a flyer. And I will point out that for a short period of time, we did remove an earlier version of the flyer uh, as a result of the changes that were made to your schedule because we didn't want some of those uh, dates that had changed to be reproduced and, and circulated. So we've pulled that down and it's since been updated and is now back up on the website. And uh, we have provided five updates via the Gov Delivery subscriber service. Approximately 86 individuals subscribed to that today. And we've provided five updates since uh, July 20th on various issues. Uh, fourth, we received this evening a document uh, from member of your committee, Chet Newland, uh, entitled the Sacramento Charter Review Issues. And you should also been, you should have also received a document entitled History of Charter Amendments from the City Clerk's Office. I think that's all. Thank you, Mark. Um, okay. Um, the, the fourth item on your agenda is called me Committee Member Report Out. This is the items where we report on speaking engagements or meetings we've attended in the past. I've spent most of my time with the staff <laughs> in the last few weeks and also a lot of phone calls. Anybody else want to report anything? I spoke uh, briefly at the East Sacramento Chamber of Commerce luncheon. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, Ms. Fuller. Edgar and I had an occasion to speak with KCRA today. Oh, that was fun. Okay. <laughs> it was. Um, okay, anything else? All right, members, we're on item number one. Um, this is a, an important item because it reflects our tentative decision. We sent out drafts of the minutes early for your input to make sure we had, had it right. At this point, um, 
Um, I would ask for any additional corrections or changes, uh, and if not, uh, I'd like a, a motion and second to approve the minutes. Moved by Mr. Murphy. Any second? Thank you. Um, all in favor? Opposed. Uh, minutes are approved. Okay. Um, Mark, you went over all the correspondence, right? And you've dealt with that. Okay. All right. We're on item number three, and this is probably the most important thing we'll do this evening, um, is to go over our report. And what I would suggest, members, uh, that we go through the report um, that Mark walk us through the report uh, section by section, and then as we finish a section, the committee would comment, revise, make changes, whatever, and we can kind of tentatively approve the section and move on to the next, uh, and then before we tentatively approve the um, whole report for um, approval to actually um, present to the co uh, community in our town hall meetings. Um, is that acceptable to the committee? Okay, Mark, why don't you proceed? Thank you, Chair Edgar. Mark Prestwich, staff to your committee. As you know, the City Council has charged the Charter Review Committee with the responsibility of reviewing portions of the City Charter. Uh, to determine possible recommended changes. The committee's final report is scheduled to be presented to the City Council on November 3rd, 2009. To be included in this report, uh, recommendations must receive the support of at least seven members of this committee. What staff has done is taken a look at a number of other final documents that other charter review committees or commissions have assembled. And what we try to do is pull the best practices out of each of those documents and arrive at a document that seems to fit the charge of this committee and the decisions that you've made. I will note that we did take a look at the City of San Diego's report, the City of Modesto, the City of Albuquerque, King County, Washington, and Broward County, Florida. And what I'd like to do is just take an opportunity to walk you through slowly the various sections of this report and answer any questions that you have. So if we begin uh, with the inside cover letter for this report, we have reserved this space uh, for a cover letter that would be provided with this document. This is typically found in the final reports that I reviewed and is an opportunity for you to remind the council of the charge and summarize the findings of the report. Generally, uh, it's helpful to have a table of contents to organize the report. That was very consistent. What we tried to do is organize it in a way that flows very easily for the reader and summarizes from start to finish the work that you've completed. No numbers have, have been included at this time, recognizing that there will be additional language developed for this report before it becomes final. We have also reserved space for an executive summary recognizing again that we are, you are at a tentative decision-making stage and have not developed final recommendations yet for your report. And this was found, an executive summary is uh, something that we found in virtually every report we looked at. 
In the next section, the background section, we found that most final reports included some form of background that provided context to the reader about, first of all, what a city charter was, uh, the history of some of the charter reform or charter review efforts that occurred over time, and if there was a particular context to that charter change, uh, generally we saw language in there related to that. And this draft includes some background information on the city's charter and the actions that the city council took to create this 11-member committee. The section also distinguishes between a council manager form of government that Sacramento's had since 1921 and a mayor-council form of government proposed by the initiative measure on the June 8, 2010 ballot. Mark, I think uh, one addition, if you wouldn't mind, in the second paragraph where you say, while there have been numerous amendments to the charter during the ensuing years, I think we ought to put the data in there. Stephanie provided us with the data. There have been 54 elections. 156 measures, 111 passed, 45 failed. Just so that they know that there have been a lot. We, we can note that. And also, it, it, if the committee is interested, it's possible to include the data that Stephanie has researched as an appendix to this document so that the committee has a summary of all those changes that have occurred over time. Um, not happy sure. to add that if you would like. I, I'm not it sure. Has been, it's something I did see in at least one report. Oh, you did? I did. Hmm. Well, okay. Anything on the background? Anybody have? Oh, it's on the, in the background section, second paragraph, mm -hmm. last sentence. I, I'm just saying... It, it says, while there have been numerous amendments to the city charter. The last sentence. Mm -hmm. and, okay. the, and I'm just saying, let's add the data. That's all. Anything else? Anybody else want to make any? Why don't we put the her report in as appendix, and in the final we may take it out if it's too cumbersome. Dr. Newland. Mark told me a couple of tiny little word changes, like among instead of between, but I'll just give those to Mark. They're just a matter of... We appreciate your doing that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're not substantive. Sure. Anybody else? Okay, thanks, Mark. Let's move on to section uh, charge of the mayor and the city council. Okay, on page 7... Section 2 is, in, is entitled Charge of the Mayor and Council, and this is a hallmark that we see in every report. It outlines the responsibilities of the Charter Committee, and in this case, uh, we have two resolutions that govern your process. So what we've done in this, re in this report is summarize, first, the initial resolution that created the committee. That's Resolution 2009-095. Explain that resolution and then also explain the context as to why the timetable was accelerated for this committee by the City Council with the adoption of Resolution 2009-559. And each of those resolutions are intended to be included as, as attachments to this document. They'll be included as, uh, in, a, in the appendix of the, of the document. 
I will note that there is an incorrect date on the fourth paragraph. There's a reference to a June 7, 2010 election. That should read June 8, 2010. So we'll make that correction before the final document. There's also a paragraph included at the end of this section noting your appreciation to the Mayor and Council for the time granted to complete your study of the forthcoming supplemental report issues. And so that's included as a reference to the work that will be coming. The only uh, change that I would make is on the last paragraph on page 7. I think the... On August 25th, the City Council actually approved our recommendation that was set forth in our progress report, and I I think we ought to note that. That was our second progress report uh, that we made. We made that recommendation. Basically, they accepted it. Do we note it? Anybody else on that section? And the third one, the charter review process. On page 9, section 3 is a section entitled the charter review process. And again, this is typically something that we found in the documents that we reviewed. It essentially reviews the work that you've done from your first meeting on April 2nd through the conclusion of that report. And this section notes that Michelle McCormick with Circle Point facilitated your early discussions. It then describes your five-phased work plan. It touches primarily on the first two character, the first two components of that work plan, namely the organization and information gathering. Staff uh, does intend to add additional language after the tentative decision-making and final report writing phase are complete. So I would anticipate the next version of this document would have additional data related to the work that you're doing this evening, as well as the work that you're going to be doing over the next month. I will note that the public outreach um, phase, uh, we've created a separate chapter for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. We've separated that, as many other charter committees committees or commissions have done. This section also references a number of documents. Uh, that are intended to be included in the appendix. And that, uh, those documents include the Benchmark Cities list, the Benchmark Cities matrix, a listing of all the materials that you've received as a committee. And if you want to take a peek at those today, they're available under the Bibliography of Resources on the Charter Committee's website. And also the frequently asked questions that we have posted on the website. Are there questions related to Chapter 3? Okay, under, uh, before the last paragraph, could we have a paragraph that relates to our two progress reports that we did, in fact, submit, one on June 23rd and the other on August 25th, um, the last one which provided for the uh, Council's uh, recommendation as based on the compressed schedule? Just reference those, please. Sure. Anybody else on this part? Okay. So section four on page 10 describes the public outreach that this committee has conducted. 
and will conduct. The section notes the committee's outreach in July, and I believe that we may need to update that from four to five meetings. Uh, I haven't checked with my fellow staff, but I believe there may have been an additional outreach meeting. So we'll update that number four to refer to five me outreach meetings that were conducted with community groups. This section also references the forthcoming nine-meeting town hall series on the city's charter that begins this Wednesday and runs through October 15th. And we'll have more data to add to this section after that process is complete. And finally, this section refer also discusses the website's Share Your Comments tool where in members of the public can send you comments and we include those comments in the correspondence materials that you receive at the beginning of each meeting and notes that the committee has used an email subscription service that I described earlier tonight, where today we have 86 uh, individuals subscribed to updates from the committee. Other questions related to this section? The only question I had, um, the committee has its own website, isn't that correct? Or do, is, uh, okay. Um, you, you talk about the city's website and so on, but I think you know, we ought to affirmatively say in one of the earlier paragraphs that, that we actually do have a website in which all of this information is provided, and then you refer to that in further. Anything else on this public outreach section? Tina. I just think it would be worthwhile to bullet where those four or five neighborhood um, meetings were and then the nine just in bullet form so that the council members know where those happened. Well, that's a good idea. Anybody else? Okay, Mark, you're doing well. <laughs> okay, page 11, uh, we have section 5 entitled Recommendations, Tentative. The tentative uh, is, in, is intended as a temporary word. We would intend to remove that word uh, once the committee reaches final recommendations. And what this section does is attempt, first it outlines the process for your decision-making, both your tentative decision-making process that you agree to, as well as the governing resolutions requirements related to reaching final decisions that will be incorporated into this report. And after that section, we've included the various specific issues that a majority or more of this committee reached as a tentative decision um, and included first the recommendation, the tentative recommendation, and then some narrative related to the language uh, that we heard committee members supporting the recommendation indicate. And we want to be sure this evening that the language included here is representative of your discussion. We've also included the tentative vote uh, for each of those decisions. And in one case, under the effective date for the proposed charter changes, the tentative vote is identified before the narrative. And what we'll do is place that at the bottom of the narrative in the final report. Okay, Mark, is the plan, um, when we reach a final vote, go out into the community, receive information, modify our recommendations, have a final vote? Are we going to have the tentative vote in there also as well as the final vote? What's the plan here? 
I think it's really uh, the committee's call on that. I've seen it done two different ways. I've seen tentative votes that are chronicled first and then a subsequent vote. I think the challenge is if the tentative vote changes, if the, the recommendation changes, for example, then you may need to separate the tentative work that you've done as a committee from the final product. That's certainly something that we can do in the report. But if, it's the, if it happens to be the same question and a similar vote or a slightly different vote, we can certainly capture that. So situations where the recommendation might change that really begs the question of how we want to approach that. In other committee reports, we've seen only the final recommendations included. And so that's also possible um, approach to how you would identify your decisions. Anybody have any thoughts on that, Joanne? have a thought on another thing, so if you want. Well, go ahead. Um, so this would be the place where we would make the committee's argument of why we were proposing what we were proposing, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of having the tentative vote, can, you know, and then also the final vote. Both. Yes. Yeah, if we're going out and soliciting input from the public, I think it's, if we change our mind or don't change our mind, I think is relevant. Yeah, I, I'm, I tend to agree with that, although um, it, it'll be a little interesting how we capture that in a reasonable way that people can understand. Mr. Tapia. I have two questions. Uh, first, can you briefly go over the timeline, um, the meetings, dates that we would have where we would take up the final challenge, the final draft, and um, the, my second, and what we were thinking about that. What, my second question has to do with um, the item we discussed at our previous meeting about the new charter officer for the inspector general. Um, the draft minutes of that meeting had indicated there was a vote, but the final minutes that we adopted said there wasn't. Neither are reflected in our draft report here, and I think we did have some discussion of that, and it might be worthy of including some discussion of the fact that we considered and at least deliberated adding a new charter officer. Yeah, I remember we did discuss that, and uh, Mr. Johnson, as I recall, prevailed by saying that, that what we ought to do is recognize what the council has already done and in our report include a modification or language that would perhaps uh, modify the council's consideration of a budget analyst position to maybe make it broader, as I understood Grantland's uh, understanding. So that was the decision that we would somehow put into our final report some language related to that. And you're right, I, I didn't see anything in that. So that's that's appropriate. But I'm not sure we took a vote on that. Oh, okay. I guess we did not. We discussed it and left it alone. But but you're right, that was uh, a decision. So we need to say something about that in there. Okay. With regard to the um, – Patty, correct me if I'm wrong here – on the um, uh, schedule – we're going to have all these community meetings coming up. Um, there will then be a um, uh, two meetings of the Charter Committee, one on October 12th, in which we will discuss 
we won't have all of the community meetings done at that point, but we'll have most of them completed. We'll discuss the final recommendations, and then on October 19th, we'll have the final report approved. Um, so what we're going to talk about in the next section, I think, is the minority reports. And those of you that have voted no <laughs> will have to give us some guidance on that. Okay? Does that answer your question, Chris? You okay? Okay. Uh, Chair Edgard, uh, so you were saying that if there's minority reports that they would be submitted on the 12th so that they could be considered on or on the 19th as part of the final report? Well, I think language, draft language of the minority report should be submitted. I, I agree. On, I'm just clarifying okay. that. On the 12th, yes. Right. That, that, but we haven't gotten to that section yet. Right. The, the other issue is, is because there's two more community meetings after the 12th. And so we actually were talking today about maybe we need to consider um, adding a meeting at the end of October just in case. I thought we did on the 23rd. No, that was in oh, November. No, no. Uh, we have the 19th. Right. So okay. basically after tonight you have two more meetings yeah, of the committee. Right. Right. Which could be tight, depending on what you hear at the community town halls and, and you know, what, when you want to make a decision. Okay. Uh, Dr. Newland. Yeah. On page 11 and following on recommendations, uh, should we at least look at each one of those items? Um, that would be a good good plan. And then also it, I uh, wanted to raise the issue for our community meetings. Might we also not want to talk about alternatives to the majority report because it's through those community meetings that we need to hear of the alternatives. I've gone to most of them so far, and I find some people strongly supporting the mayor's initiative. Others strongly saying we should leave the present charter as it is, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I do think that we should not go to the community meetings with only one RC uh, as a review committee. We should go with some alternatives. So as you see, uh, I've submitted a tentative draft of one. Mm -hmm. um, okay, we're back on this final report now. Did, are you saying that the alternative in this one section on recommendations, we should have alternative recommendations in here or in the minority section? I would think when we go to the community meetings, you know, it should be in the minority section. Okay. But we should, we should present them probably oh, sure. at the community sure. meetings. I don't have a problem. And as I've noted to some of you, I'm not sure of even that, but I do think we ought to talk about it. Okay. Well, let's let's go let's go through these recommendations and the recommendation on the Unif on the unified legislative and executive policy functions. Um, you have the recommendation before you and uh, the language there that supports our case. Are there any changes to that? Mr. LaFosso? Or no, I'm uh, actually it was a backup. Um, I was ready to talk about that, but I question two about the minority report. Okay, go ahead. One, um, just suppose 
that a member were in the majority and then in the tentative and then at the October 12 meeting uh, the recommendation changed and the same member wound up in the minority. Um, I hope the member would have an opportunity to quickly write a minority statement to be submitted on the 19th and there wouldn't be an opportunity for that member to know that was needed to be done until after the 12th. So I, I appreciate the difficulties for staff on the minority reports and the type timeline, and I'm not sure what our formatting is going to be, and maybe we should come up with some formatting rules so that if people submit things last minute that they can be easily incorporated into the document um, if something happens on the 12th that causes the need for different and, and we're fine with that. We were more concerned that the committee had an opportunity to see all minority reports and, and have them be in conjunction with the final report. Well, why don't, we, why, why don't we see if we could settle that issue. Would the committee be um, um, up for a meeting on the 26th? I'm out of town that whole week. Reports due November 3rd. And the agenda for that meeting gets uh, posted and printed on the Thursday of the week prior. So what is that, um, the 28th, Shirley? So for a meeting the 26th, we would need to have materials ready by October 22nd to be posted. No, but I meant the, the November 3rd council meeting. When When is that oh, yeah. go to print? That would be 29th. Right. The 29th. So if you met on the 26th, we'd have a couple days to yeah, what we're make talking adjustments. About is, yeah, right. What we're yeah. talking about is, is trying to, to deal with the... You know, just the final logistics of putting the report together is not something that would be unfamiliar to the members of the committee at that point. Right. Uh, my suggestion is we schedule that meeting, um, and for those that can't be here, we'll just have to deal with that because we, we need to, I think we need to have one more meeting to do that. Okay, we'll put that on the agenda for the next meeting um, for you to approve, but we'll add that to the calendar. Okay. Um, just, uh, sorry. Mm -hmm. just uh, the, the last two things I was, was going to, the last two things that we're going to say, uh, um, I guess I find Mr. Uh, Dr. Newland's idea intriguing. I'm not sure how to do it, but I think I like it about alternatives since we've been in this mode of getting people to comment by reaction. Um, and then lastly, the um, I, 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 I like a lot of the commentary in here, and I ought to because some of it's stuff I said. Um, <laughs> but, um, but in fairness, um, is, there, are, are, is there a process? I, I'm not sure that, that, that I, I, stringing together quotes is the best way to articulate our case, and I'm sure that if one person... Um, I'm sure that if all nine individuals who voted for that recommendation wrote a one-page essay, um, it would be 
it would be strong and it would be different. And I'm not sure what's the best way to do that. But um, it's uh, the comments in the interest of uh, having the best, most thorough articulation of the basis of the committee's decision. And I mean, I could write a one-page essay, but I'm not sure that everybody else wants to vote for mine. But but I, I don't I don't know what's the way to approach this other than than then stringing together quotations, which, again, I like the quotations, um, but in deference to everybody else. Ms. Hastings. Um, on that subject, following up on uh, Alan's comments, I think that, and I know this complicates it more, but um, in addition to the quotes, maybe some reference of other cities and things specifically that we may have heard from other cities? You know, is, is I mean, because we did listen to these testimony. I didn't come in this with my own ideas. I developed my opinions after listening to the testimony from the people, you know, the mayors and um, city managers from other cities. So I'm just wondering if referencing, you know, something that we learned from another city would be another way of of, you know, explaining how we got here. And I think one of the challenges here is, uh, I mean, there's certain things that resonated with you and there's certain things that resonated with me, and I'm sure the staff doesn't want to be put in the position of reading our minds. Um, so I'm at a loss as to organize. I mean, I'm exactly, those, there's additional things that I'd like to see get in there. And I just want to make sure that the things I care about get in there, but I want to make sure the things that other people care about get in there. Mr. Taylor. Yeah, it seems to me that the commentary is as important as the recommendation. And what I'm sitting here wondering, is it possible that we could have a subcommittee to look at some of these? And I don't know how we can draft that sitting right here, but what do we have? How many people do we have here? Eleven, a subcommittee of five? Or maybe less Tina went, ooh. I don't know if she thinks that's too many, I guess. But um, <laughs> some, way, some way to draft something. It seems to me that the quotes are nice. And, Alan, if you said those, I, I think they're all brilliant in that event. But, uh, but beyond all that, it needs to be done in a cohesive kind of fashion, I think. And it doesn't uh, – a series of quotes may have the contents, but it doesn't really make the case in a very strong fashion. And I think we're going to be looked to, to to say, why did you decide what you decided, which I think is your point of a few moments ago. So maybe a subcommittee or some process of that sort to begin to, to, to work it through. Well, do you want to take, take that up charge on? I'd be happy to do that. Okay. Anybody else? We've got Mr. Taylor, Mr. Ms. Hastings. I volunteer. Ms. Okay. It Three enough? It only help to the extent that I'm okay. intent. Okay, good. We can, we can talk about when we do that. Okay, good. okay, great. Thanks, John. Thank you, Cecily and, and Alan. That, that'll be very helpful. So, what's that? And get to us what their ideas are. I view this as taking from everybody, but if everybody could send their ideas in as to why they, they thought that was how they, that, that recommendation, what it ought to be, that would be very, very helpful, I think, to start. So we can draft something which is a, a consensus proposition, which obviously the group would look at as when, when that was done. Mr. Chair, 
Um, I'm going to recommend against that because that leads to potential Brown Act violations if, in fact, members are communicating with each other outside the context of this meeting to come up with what the recommendation should say. So <clears throat> that would, in my opinion, be a, um, a dangerous idea. The comments by committee members to other members about what... No, no. Let, let me rephrase. Sure. What I was suggesting is that the members of this panel in, submit to the committee members why they voted as they did. If you present those recommendations at an open meeting next time, that would not necessarily be a problem. But if even if the members of this, um, this three members submitted to each of the other members outside the context of an open meeting, then that would be a problem, even if it was sending it out to the others, because then it, there might be, that would be perceived as per, a sharing information which could lead to uh, a decision in their minds on that particular topic. I understand that, Matt. So help, help us structure this. How do we get the input from the group to those who are going to be on, this, on the subcommittee? No sharing of it back until we come back to the larger group here, but something which gives us some indication as to why people chose to vote as they did. My recommendation is there's no safe way to do it by sharing information between them. However, um, uh, there could be a way to do it. One recommendation would be to simply review the uh, video stream of the meetings that have been had, and you could watch, uh, you know, the individuals could watch what's already been out there and consume it for your consideration for uh, and s distill it down to some kind of narrative which you bring back for review by the entire committee at an open meeting. Would it be possible to have, in the context of one of these meetings, we go around and everybody indicates in a minute or so why they voted the way they did if they were in the majority? Absolutely. Okay. Would that, that would work? Maybe it's, we can as long that. as it's here in an open meeting, you, uh, obviously you can discuss it to your heart's content. Yeah, I think otherwise we're going to be stabbing at the dark here uh, and coming back here, then going back out the door, and it can take a long, long time. <laughs> so at some point in time, I guess, Mr. Chairman, we would need to, to do that. Maybe, I don't know if it's tonight or at the next meeting or, or when. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Mr. Murphy. I appreciate what's going on here, but I'm not quite sure on the timeline we have how this work gets done, gets rewritten and back to us so we have something to go out into the community with. Um, I have three pages I can give you, but I would not want you to put that length of a narrative in here because you'll lose the, re the reader. So I I'm just not sure that comes back to us so we can see the product, however we're going to do it. Ms. Hastings. I want to clarify something, at least how I understand it. This is what we go to the community with at this time. This is what we're going to the town halls with. This, we're not, right? No. We're working on this as a product ultimately that goes to the city council. Right. So, I, is that right? That's right. Okay. Mr. LaFaso. Oh, ditto. Okay. Dr. Newell. See, my assumption, though, is that the draft report is already in the public arena. In short, anyone can go on and pull it up, and several people have, and, and the B is already writing about it. And therefore, when I go to public meetings, 
if the people are well informed, as most have been at the earlier public meetings, they'll be talking about it. But I agree with you, Cicely, that the PowerPoint sort of presentation will help a lot. But um, by and large, the people have not hesitated to speak up. Those who show up tend to be the informed people like these here tonight. Mr. Taylor. So I guess we need to get a time where we might have that input provided to us. Let's uh, review the schedule here for a minute. Um, Patty, on, we're meeting tonight reviewing this draft report. We're going to have a drafting subcommittee provide input, uh, presumably for our October 12th meeting. That's correct. And then the October 12th meeting we had talked about kind of looking at, by that point you will have had seven of the town hall meetings. And so starting to look at um, what themes might be emerging, what you've been hearing from the community at those meetings. And at that point you may want to talk about um, are, are there decisions we want to reconsider or reopen up? Are there alternatives we want to take a closer look at um, and go back to based on what we're hearing from the community at this point? Well, in, in light of um, what we've talked about, how are we going to have a meeting to provide John with his input that he desires before he starts drafting. John and others. <laughs> <laughs> See, we have a... See, we don't have a meeting on the 5th because, right? That's correct. We have a meeting... And we don't have one on the first because we have a community meeting, mm -hmm. right? Okay. I've been advised by our attorney that you could do it tonight based on what's in the draft report at this point. Okay, you want to do that? Okay, let's go on the recommendation here. Um, on the first one, on the unified legislative and executive policy functions. Um, let's start from the, the dais. Uh, Ms. Fuller, do you want to articulate why you voted the way you did for this recommendation? me a few minutes to okay, put together Cecily. an articulate um, mm -hmm. Cecily um, again I don't I don't have all my notes either but I, I sometimes I think of what comes to mind as the most dramatic for me and I think that the testimony from various I'm just gonna say various places including uh, I think people from Fresno expressed regrets that they Organize, or they structured their strong mayor or executive mayor form of government having the mayor not be on the council. 
and at least two that I recall specifically said they thought that was a mistake. Now, it may have been two people from the same city or it may have been two officials from two different cities. I'd have to look back through my notes on that one. But that they felt that the, the mayor, there is an expectation in the public that the city council meeting is the really the only public forum that the residents of a city have to come and express their opinions or offer their input or hear their address the elected officials directly and that seemed to me like a very very strong case especially when you have officials expressing regret over systems that they generally like okay Mr. Johnson, did you want to add anything to this? Uh, sure, I'll make my brief. Uh, is my microphone? I'm sorry. Um, the, the, my reasons are one, um, I make a real distinction between the role of local government uh, versus the role of uh, state and federal government. Uh, for example, um, uh, unlike those other levels of government, my experience has been that there's nowhere to pass the buck, the proverbial buck. Uh, the responsibilities stop at the doorstep of local elected officials. Um, I've also noticed that when people transition from other levels of government, for example, members of, the, of, of Congress or members of um, state legislature uh, transition uh, to local government, they tend to have a difficult time making that transition. And one of the reasons is the fact that at the level, the federal level and the state level, you promulgate a law, you pass a bill. That's it. Your responsibility is done. You don't have to be responsible for the, for the consequences of, of, of uh, tied to uh, implementation. Uh, you also uh, don't really um, get much feedback in terms of the impact and implications of your actions uh, based upon interactions with your constituents uh, in, in a more direct way. Um, so those reasons uh, compel me to reach the conclusion that it is important that members of locally elected legislative bodies really um, spend a great deal of time trying to understand uh, both the, the, the generalities and the nuances um, of local needs and local policies. Uh, it's also more critical that there be greater uh, communication between um, members on local bodies and with other local bodies um, uh, in the region. Because uh, increasingly I'm convinced that um, uh, the notion of looking at, looking at local communities as regions or metropolitan areas is increasingly more important from an economic standpoint from a transportation and environmental standpoint, for example, and doing what I call it life. Uh, and then I think it's important that um, uh, you try to avoid as much rancor, not spirit of debate, but rancor in terms of uh, ad hominem um, kinds of um, uh, dynamics um, between uh, members of elected bodies and also, um, I think it's important that a mayor who is responsible 
generally for the generalized policies uh, and welfare of a city also be um, have a good feel for what is happening at the neighborhood level and happening at the district level um, in which those neighborhoods are located. And by being engaged with the cohorts, the mayor, her or him, um, as mayor being um, engaged in the cohort, the cohorts on the, on, the, on the less they body, it gives them, I think, a more sounder and firmer footing and more substantive, substantive basis for um, uh, understanding how to, um, you know, deliberate and make decisions and make judgment calls regarding various policies. That's, that's really the basis of my uh, strong conviction. Thank you, Grantland. Alan? Well, my first comment is, fortunately, Mr. Johnson's comments are on tape, so I can uh, have a chance to transcribe them. Um, I guess I'll cheat since I'm on the committee, and I'm going to try to take in what I hear from the other people. Um, I, I definitely agree with Ms. Hastings' uh, regret comment, and it was the mayor of Albuquerque who commented that had he done it again, they he would have had the uh, mayor remain part of the council. Um, I think Mr. Johnson actually added a lot of dimensions to what I thought about Separation of powers being for remoter forms of government um, and not convinced that there's some magic number uh, about size leading to the kind of radical change that's been contemplated. Um, and I'll conclude right there. Thank you. Uh, Jay? Um, I agree with basically what everybody has said so far. Um, some of the highlights that stand out in my mind with uh, some of the testimony we had um, is with the mayor sitting with the council. I think that's pretty important. Also, to politicize uh, the process, I think, can be dangerous, as we've seen at the state level. So those are the two main things without having my notes readily available. Thank you, Jay. Mm -hmm. Tina? Yes. Okay. Um, I think that just as we've talked about, as the mayor is elected on a citywide basis and he or she um, has a policy agenda that they're trying to promote, and as such, I think that they need to hear staff reports. They need to know what's going on in the city. They need to know what's going on in neighborhoods, in the various neighborhoods. Um, they need to have their pulse on the community, and I think by having an isolated executive, then you have somebody who's remote from the community and really unable to um, implement the policy that they have run on, so to speak, um, or implement policies that a, co a coalition of the council would like to implement. So I, I see the executive, is, um, the, the mayor is sitting with the council is really important to build coalitions um, amongst the council uh, to implement policy. John? Or are you just going to take us? <laughs> Before I say anything, I'm not going to say much. I'll, I think I'll do just as Alan has done. But I'm the absent person on all of these last time. Uh, is there a way that's appropriate for me to indicate how I would intend to vote, particularly on those where you have six, not seven yet? Yes. That, which might have indicated something right there. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Taylor, I, I 
assume you're directing that at me. What it appears to me what is happening now is what we're doing is reviewing the draft right. um, final report of the committee and providing assisting in the drafting of the final report. Um, the way I followed the discussion was that this was the opportunity for those to augment the text portion of the report to give a more fuller and less, um, I guess, one-sided view of what, why the committee came to a recommendation. Although you are not at present during the vote, this is not, you're, no one's changing a vote or what the intent is, but certainly you can make comments on what you believe should be uh, contained within the draft report and what should be um, some of the comments that could be put in here, um, even though you haven't voted on it. Okay, why don't I do that? But what I was trying to get to is it's somewhat difficult for me to explain why I voted a certain way when I, in fact, did not vote. Uh, but if I were to have voted on this matter, I would have voted yes on the basis that I think it's important for the community to operate on a consensus proposition, that the removal of the mayor from the council uh, diminishes the likelihood that that's going to happen. Um, I think in a community the size of this one, consensus is important. And I also believe that the culture of the community is more directly reflected uh, as a consensus community. Thank you, John. Mr. Tapio. Uh, Mr. Chair, I was a no vote on this item, so um, I'll take a pass at this time. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Nolan. I'm prepared to give Mark a gold medal for capturing most of what we did, and certainly on this one he did. Uh, I voted yes because the council manager form provides for the strongest accountability, and uh, that focus helps the citizens then uh, to hold the entire city accountable. Mr. Murphy. You're so fucking let me talk. I'm trying. We're canceling each other out. This is going to be a bit repetitious, but I took the weekend to uh, review the initiative and our report to date and to do some comparison with that and comments. And it seemed to me that, as has been expressed here, uh, we elect an entire council plus the mayor or including the mayor. Uh, we don't, in this city, currently elect one position uh, to run the city and to concentrate authority. And I think absent this recommendation, uh, or just bluntly, uh, the current initiative concentrates that power in someone who does not sit with the council any longer, a position that doesn't sit with the council any longer, and greatly diminishes the council's role in representing the city and the districts that rep they represent. So that's the reason for my positive vote. I also think there are some uh, other issues uh, that are more related to technical than they are policy, but this resolves a number of other concerns I have about the disposition of power of various types that aren't expressly called out. This is the attorney's wording for that is residual powers. That's not here any longer. My final thing is that I feel that this resolves a number of concerns in my mind about additional costs that are hidden in the initiative to the city. 
Um, they're significant. Um, it's not efficient. Um, the process of passing ordinances, having ordinances reviewed, vetoed, and override, the same situation with the budget, is not efficient government. It will, in fact, take a considerably longer time uh, to process those uh, things. Now, perhaps the longer deliberation is good, but if the whole team is together in one place at one time, it is much more efficient in my judgment. Thank you. I would only add that, that my feeling is that the parliamentary system, the unified legislative and executive works best at, at the local level because it forces the mayor and the city council to work together collaboratively and in the best interests of the city. It actually fits the culture in how Sacramento governs itself and has chosen to govern itself, and that is from the bottom up where we work at the neighborhood level. We try to seek uh, consensus in the community and agreement in the community from developments that may occur, from issues that come to pass uh, at the neighborhood level, working it up to the city council member who works also with the neighborhood and then to the city council and the mayor. People in this city expect to see the mayor sitting at the council, chairing the council when they come to the city council meetings. And I think that's, uh, at least in this city, um, that's the way it, they've chosen to govern themselves, and I think that's what works best for this community. So, John, do you have enough on that one? Okay, thank you. Let's go on to the next uh, appointment of the city manager. We were going to take that, I think, next, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, the next tentative recommendation is the mayor appoints the city manager with the majority confirmation of the city council excluding the mayor's role. City manager may be removed by the mayor with a majority vote excluding the mayor. Council may remove the city manager for cause with a majority vote excluding the mayor. All right. Um, Jay... How did you vote on this? I voted yes on this. Okay. And, um, uh, yeah, I think it's important that, uh, as you said previously, another uh, another meeting that the city manager um, works very closely with mayor, and it's important that they get along together. And if he appoints a, a, the city manager, I think it's uh, I think there's a strong chance that there's going to be cohesion of a workforce there. Thank you, Jay. Tina? Yes, I was looking for um, making sure that the mayor has a very good relationship with the city manager, again, to be able to implement their policies that they have run on or the policies that are created by collaboration with the council. So I think there has to be a good working relationship between those two. And that was the reason I voted the way I did. Okay. Um, I do have one question, however, but should we... When we talk about this, is this later on? Are we going to talk about this later? Yeah, that's okay. the next next item. All right. All yeah. Right. Yeah. John, you do you have anything to say on this one? Had I voted on this, I would have voted yes, on the basis that it is the best way uh, this arrangement to achieve collaboration and consensus. Uh, Chris, anything to say on this one? You abstained. No. No, I voted. Okay. No. Thank you. Um, okay. Here you go, Dr. Newland. 
We're, we're I voted no, so I suppose I should comment later when we get to minority okay. views. Okay. Um, Mr. Murphy. Nothing yet. Okay. Ms. Fuller. Okay. And Ms. Hastings. I voted yes, but I'm going to ask um, Bill if you will describe the differences in detail because you've got a handle on it. I asked, you know, I think to describe the differences between this system and the current way that a city manager. Okay, this is, this is very different from the current system. Um, and it's, in my opinion, a very close call. Um, I happen to believe that it's very important for the mayor and the manager to be able to work together. Uh, and um, I'm hopeful that um, by having the mayor at least nominate the city manager, um, that that uh, relationship would be in a positive uh, way so that policy could be implemented uh, together. The way it is now, the city council interviews the candidates and appoints. This way, I, I was hoping that, that it would uh, um, enhance the ability for the mayor and the manager to work together to carry out the policy agenda. Um, anyway, that, that's why I voted uh, yes on this. Um, Grantland voted no. Mr. LaFasso, you voted yes on this. Um, yeah, I'm going to pretty much follow what you said, Mr. Chairman. I guess the only major point I wanted to make was I think this recommendation was uh, supported in the spirit of embracing the notion of empowering a mayor in the context of a mayor-council form of government. And I think it's really important uh, to highlight examples of other cities where the hard choice between council manager and mayor council um, hasn't been the only way. And, and San Jose is an example I've been, lo I've been looking to, and uh, Cincinnati was discussed at our last, um, at our last meeting. So just thinking about this, in the, as empowerment of the mayor in the context of council manager form of government, and that, that can occur, uh, I guess, is the big point I want to emphasize. Mm -hmm. Now, Dr. Newland was pointing out to me that in some cases um, where the council manager form of government um, ha has not uh, changed and where the council actually appoints the manager, there have been some cities who have said that the mayor needs to be in the majority when that appointment occurs, which in my view is kind of underscoring what we're talking about here. That is that the mayor and the manager need to work together. It's important that the manager work together. Uh, but the council, any city manager knows that the council can't be ignored and, and, that, you, and that you work for the entire council. But the the important thing here is to get the mayor and the manager working together, and, and that's, you know, there's some people who disagree with that, but that's kind of, I think, the basis for our discussion here. Is that then written into the 
I, I don't know how they do that. Is that written into the charter when they do that? In the um, minority little essay I presented to you tonight, I noted that typically the council would have a committee like the P&PE committee uh, or some committee of the council select an executive search firm to uh, search for nominees for the manager's position. And the provision that has become quite common would be that a qualified majority of the council, including the mayor, is essential in, in making the appointment of the city manager. Um, another way of putting that, it would give the mayor a veto. But the big difference in it is that the search would be through the PMPE committee with a professional executive search firm, and then that qualified majority, including the mayor, would be presenting the nominee uh, for selection as manager. And that's become quite common. It empowers a mayor in that he would have to be in the majority in support of the person employed. But in my experience, no manager in his right mind or her capacity would take a job in a city if the mayor were not in that majority. So it's just really facing reality that that's the direction we've gone. And it's the direction I think is wise. Now, uh, what Cecily asked, though, is that, in the, is that a revision to the charter in, in those cities that you've noticed that? I think it would be a at least it would be a clarification. I don't think it would be a revision of practice, though, yeah. but it would be a revision in terms of clarification. <clears throat> but, oh, yes, people in Sacramento have been very sensible. <laughs> the mayor was not a majority. We didn't hire him. Okay. Are we okay on that, John? Okay. Uh, next item is the appointment removal made by the um, uh, uh, charter, other charter officers. Now, this was um, of a great deal of discussion, and the original um, proposal was to have the charter officers, city clerk, city treasurer, and city attorney um, appointed by the mayor, confirmed by the council, just like uh, we did for the mayor or for the manager. But um, after discussion, it was felt that the committee f felt that these were um, – needed to be independent positions. Ms. Fuller, do you want to? I think my comments that evening are captured that these are specific, uh, specific um, talented individuals that, that need to be given the ability to do to their job without any kind of political interference. Cecily? I agree. Grantlin? I agree. Um, Alan? Um, I, I agree. I want to emphasize I believe these fundamentally aren't policy positions, and that's an important distinction between this discussion and the council, excuse me, the city manager discussion we have. Uh, Jay? John, you weren't here. Chris, do you have anything you want to add? Okay, thank you. Um, okay. Yes, these, these chartered officers tend to give strong and much-needed support to the mayor and the council and their independence 
their separate authority is what really does that, and therefore it's very much needed. Mr. Murphy. I agree. I thought the uh, uh, statement here captured it well. I would add one thing. Uh, we were provided with some opinions from the State Bar, and uh, it's a fairly common uh, statement in treatises that uh, the city attorney, much like a general counsel in a corporation, represents the city and not individual offices. And I think that would be important to add to what's here. Okay, I, I think the language in the report captures what I was feeling about this, uh, although I, I must say it, it did uh, the argument and the discussion of the committee uh, kind of changed my mind a little bit on that issue. All right, um, department directors exempt appointments. Um, Ms. Fuller. And Cecily. I got a pass right now. Grantland? I voted no on this one. Okay, Jay. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, I. No, no. Right, right. This was this is on the uh, city manager appointment and removal of department heads. The only ones that I think voted no were Tina um, and Alan. Or no, no, Jay, Jay. Yeah, yeah. These were, yeah. These are the department directors. Well, essentially leaving it the same. As it is. Yeah, okay. Hastings, Thomas, and Wisham. Okay. So, so back to me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I think some of the same arguments that are, that are captured here in terms of uh, uh, a large number of uh, people that were working for the city would be uh, not at risk. Uh, in carrying out their job. Okay, thank you. Um, let's see. Grantland? I believe I yeah. voted no on this one. Too, right? <laughs> no, no, you. <laughs> no. Well, keep it as it is. Yeah, keep it as it is. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I really, yeah, yeah, you were. I was trying to figure out what. what, what <laughs> I was looking at this really? as a reference. Um, I'm actually conflicted on this one um, because uh, I really do believe that uh, the um, I could go either way in terms of uh, some appointments by the mayor directly uh, or having confidence in the, in the city manager. The city manager has the confidence of the mayor and the mayor ought to really have confidence in the selection choices by the city manager. I can't think, I can't Imagine politically a city manager under those under that arrangement picking someone that the mayor would have problems with, or leaving someone in place without you know the mayor would became dissatisfied with you know for you know for those substantive reasons, 
and and not supporting the mayor going to the council and saying, look, let's remove this person. Um, that's where I am, at, you know. Um, and uh, the way this is framed, it doesn't really talk in those terms, and that's the problem I have. Both options, neither option gives me that 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 approach that I would be most comfortable with. That uh, essentially what you said last time. I happen to agree with it, but uh, Alan, you know, I'm in a very similar place. This is the one that. I found myself least confident about leaving the room and I, uh, the chamber last time. And I guess, I guess I'm going to associate myself with Mr. Johnson's remarks because I guess I didn't quite understand how it functioned. And maybe, uh, maybe if we have a drafting committee, we can pitch some things around and refine this idea so that there's clearer thinking on it. Um, uh, when we next time we take about okay let me um, say something at this point I I feel very strongly about this this item um, and and just along the lines that that Grantland was talking about it seems to me that if the mayor as in Fresno appoints the city manager uh, and it's confirmed by the council the mayor needs to have the uh, confidence that the city manager is going to make the proper choices and the manager is going to have to um, choose his department heads and division chiefs with with care and with uh, a professional procedure uh, that that they have to do and the reason for that is if the manager is held accountable for the running of the city on a daily basis, he or she has to have the authority to appoint and discipline or whatever the department heads. Um, authority must be commensurate with responsibility. And if you don't have that, then the mayor is going to have a hard time holding the manager accountable for those appointments. In Fresno, that was emphasized. The mayor has one appointment in Fresno, appoints the city manager. city manager goes ahead and appoints the department heads. The mayor doesn't like that. Then he chooses another city manager, um, assuming he gets the confirmation of the council. But in any event, uh, I think it's just basic public management. Um, you, authority must be commensurate with responsibility, in my view. Dr. Newell. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, in the language that might help people, is there between being a CEO and a CAO? In the example we've discussed a couple times in earlier meetings of this committee would be the one of uh, Los Angeles County. It had always been a CEO as the manager selected by the supervisors as a whole until Dave Jansen came in. And at that point, the county made a mistake and moved it to a CAO, at which point each one of the supervisors became subject to massive political pressures, interest group pushing. And ultimately, then you'll remember, Dave Jansen resigned. Um, no one would take the job. And so the, the supervisors invited Dave to come back and he rewrote the charter at their recommendation 
for a CEO, and he agreed he'd take the job for one year. And then when we hired Bill Fujioka to come in, he had, Bill had been the CAO in the city of Los Angeles, but he accepted the job because it was now a CEO, and he could protect those supervisors from those dreadful pressures that were upon them. And that's about where I think cities occur as well. And in short, we need focused responsibility, and that focused responsibility comes through the city manager. And that's really a defense for the mayor and the council members. Okay, anybody else on that one? Oh, uh, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, I just wanted to add one other point uh, from experience. Um, <laughs> when I was agency secretary, one of the, the things that used to drive me crazy was for a department head to circumvent me and go straight to the governor's office. <laughs> and then the governor's office asked me to, to support the action, the recommendations of the department head. And I would That's say, exactly well, right. one, I wasn't involved in the discussion. Number two, I probably don't agree with the recommendation. And you decided to, to, uh, to authorize uh, the, uh, and entertain the, un entertain the circumvention. So you live with it. But I'm not going to publicly oppose it, but I'm not going to publicly support it. Uh, that creates a, an awkward situation and, and, a situ and, and an environment which is much more appropriate for that kind of politicization. I don't think local government, that's really the case. And, and I, I think it's a real problem if you have department heads in, at a city or a county level circumventing either the, uh, the county exec or the city manager. I think that's a real problem. It's much more problem locally where you're talking about real concrete Solving the problems, filling the potholes, kind of, kind of day to day, roll your sleeves up, you know, governance. And you and I have seen that. Well, yeah, I'm just adding another reason why I just yeah. feel fairly pretty strongly that look, I can support certainly the, the the mayor appointed the city manager, but once you appoint the city manager, give the city manager the authority to manage. Yeah. Responsibility of authority is a, is a really awkward and untenable um, dynamic. I agree with that. Okay, um, we're on to budget authority. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Murphy. I'm sorry. I'm very comfortable with the statement that the city manager should be able to hire the staff necessary. Um, I could certainly talk about the confirmation process. At, a, at some point, if that's the issue. Um, I would point out that in the current charter, at least in language, if not in practice, there is strong language about the council not interfering in the ways have been discussed, and that remains unchanged in the, well, it's in the current charter. I'll leave it at that. It would change if the initiative went through. Uh, Chris? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I was trying to hold my tongue until the, later on in, in the minority section, but um, uh, I feel compelled to, to raise a couple things. One, um, you would mentioned Fresno's experience and the mayor having the authority to hire or fire the city manager. And I think there's a big difference between what some cities have, and I don't have my big binder of charters, so I, don't, I can't speak to Fresno specifically, but um, in the proposal that's on the table now, uh, the mayor would have authority to nominate a city manager but not to appoint the city manager 
and we have some attorneys in that can maybe help clarify the distinction, but an appointment doesn't require any approval or any voting. Someone who has the power to appoint someone just exercises that authority. But to nominate requires a vote of a body. And I think under, for the city manager's um, item that we're considering, we're really talking about this, the mayor having the authority to nominate the city manager. Um, and I think that really becomes clear when you start talking about what happens when you need to remove the city manager. And a number of people in this committee have talked about the need for the mayor and the city manager to work hand in hand, which I support. But I think the authority to remove the city manager is even more important than the authority to appoint the city manager. Um, we don't have term limits on city managers, but we have an election every four years for mayors. And uh, if we have an, a new mayor come in with an incumbent city manager, that new mayor doesn't have an opportunity to appoint the person he or she wants to that position. Um, so I think the proposal that we're, that we're talking about now, specifically to the appointment of the city manager, has uh, some flaws that I can't support. But continuing there, I would like to see some correction of the terminology, because we're not talking about the appointment of the city manager by the mayor. We're talking about the nomination. Okay. Uh, anybody else? All right. Let's move on to the budget authority. Tentative recommendation is that the mayor shall issue a annual statement, a policy reviewed and modified by the city council, and then the it's once approved, turned over to the uh, city manager to build a budget around that policy statement. Um, I think. I think the language expresses my point of view. Uh, Ms. Fuller, do you have anything you want to add on the budget authority? I think this is our attempt to really highlight the leadership role of the mayor in terms of uh, being uh, very articulate about the mayor's vision for the city as uh, he or she comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, Cecily? I agree. Okay. Uh, Grantland? And Alan? Um, the only point I'd add is, um, I th in my mind, this recommendation occurred in the context of uh, Mr. Fair's presentation at the meeting he spoke at, in which he pretty well articulated what our current budget process is. And I thought articulated it as a very well-functioning process. Um, and while... I could have envisioned maybe some additional uh, changes to the process, which I might have entertained had I not been exposed to what Mr. Fair exposed us all to. Um, I might have been inclined to support something different, but for me, the, the well-functioning budget process we have now was a big part of the context of this recommendation for me. And uh, um, I guess uh, if we do a drafting committee, I'll grab uh, bullets from Mr. Fair's PowerPoint. <laughs> Good. Mr. Murphy, anything to add? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Newell. There are two elements, I think, missing in the explanation, although they're clear up in the statement of policy. The two elements missing would be is not just the mayor's leadership, but rather 
One, we rely very much on the professional staff uh, supervised by the city manager. And then second, through our workshop device, we rely on workshops for community input along with the council sitting in chamber. So we do need, in addition to stressing the leadership of the mayor, mm-hmm. need to stress the professional leadership and the community involvement in that workshop process. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris? Uh, okay, John, um, anything to add, Tina or Jay? Okay. Um, effective date for proposed charter change. Um, I think what is written here uh, is pretty clear. That is, we needed a transition period, which uh, the current proposal doesn't have. Um, so that's, that's, I think, why we have a... Uh, positive vote. Is there anybody that wants to add anything to this language? Okay. And then term limits. Um, that was an interesting discussion in which we tried the Eldorado. Oh. Okay. Um, it, it allows people to um, vote on a candidate for mayor based upon the new job description mm-hmm. rather than uh, making it become effective during right. the term of the sitting mayor, which I don't think has been done right. ever, from at least what we went through over. Yeah, that's true. That that was a major point. The, um, the people who are running for office will know what they're running for. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, term limits. I think that was clear. We voted down the Eldorado <laughs> uh, County model, and uh, nobody likes term limits. I think that's clear. Does anybody want to comment on those? I think the majority of the committee just felt that they haven't worked uh, anywhere that they've seen, and therefore feel that they're not necessary here. Mark? Chair Edgar, just a point of clarification regarding this committee uh, that we'll be looking at drafting recommendations. Is uh, point is, is the committee interested at all in addressing some of the other um, areas of the report that are currently reserved, such as the cover letter, the executive summary, the conclusion, or the acknowledgments? And I include the acknowledgments because not often uh, with these reports it seems to be a bit more personal um, from the committee members as opposed to the staff. So just raise those issues for consideration. John, John any thoughts? I think, why don't we just leave it with these uh, explanations for the time being. When we get the rest of it back, maybe we will want to take on more. Alan's going now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the, 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 the drafting committee's job is to uh, articulate the case for our recommendations in these particular areas, right? And it seems to be we may want to take a crack at the cover letter. Let's see how this unfolds because as we went through this and I took the notes, there's some generalized propositions that I think go beyond just one recommendation. And we may want to do some introductory thing which could take on the form of, of, of the letter. So we'll, we'll see as we get going. Okay. okay. Um, with that, what we have then is a committee made up of 
John Taylor, Cecily Hastings, Alan LaFosso, who are going to take um, a shot at drafting up or modifying what you put in the report, Mark, regarding the case for each one of these recommendations. Okay. I thought you were going to be gone. I am gone for the Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Matt, are there any procedures we need to follow in doing this? <laughs> well, it appears to. Uh, let me see if I can get here that the chair is essentially appointing an ad hoc committee to do a limited scope of work for a limited period of time. Um, just want to clarify well that. <laughs> and um, that you'll be my, my uh, the procedures you want to use for how you do it. That's up to you. Uh, how you want to communicate. Again, I would just stress that to make sure that there's no communication with additional members of the committee which may raise issues of um, contact between or among a quorum, even if it's one here, one there, etc. And so the recommendation would be whatever result you have, either share it with staff or presentation back at the next meeting or the committee itself can bring back its written recommendations um, to the full committee at the next regularly scheduled meeting on, I believe, the 12th. Okay, and we can meet where we want, when we want? We don't have to let anybody know that Yes, as an, as an ad hoc committee, um, you, are, you are not subject to the Brown Act. So, again, as long as you're not meeting with a quorum or discussing with a quorum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Jim, you, Hastings, you asked to comment on a couple of these items. I'm a strong believer in minority reports. That's why I'm here. I helped organize a neighborhood organization some 20 years ago and presented minority reports very often to the city council along with the majority report. That approach has disappeared from the presentations the council now sees. And what they see is boards of directors who have one opinion for their entire population. Unless you ask for both sides, the 47 or 48 percent of those citizens in that neighborhood have no voice. If you accept a board of directors of 8 to 11 people, you reject half, almost half, of the people in their neighborhood. And so I'm looking for ways that you, you could work out in this to make sure that you hear from all those organizations. Example, I would ask that you might consider publishing the names of the outreach you've actually made. You folks have done a magnificent job. I'm impressed. <laughs> and I'm delighted to come and hear you talk because I think you got the, you got the idea that I would really appreciate. I don't always agree with you, but that's not important. I would like to see you consider the possibility of listing the people you have outreached to who do not, who have refused to come. We spent so much time in council meetings years past listening to people say, I didn't get the message, I didn't get the email, I didn't get the letter. I think you have a right to say, look, we outreached to you, and you didn't come, and you chose not to come. That's okay. 
Alright? Just consider it. The other thing I wanted to talk about is about term limits. And term limits has nothing to do, from my point of view, with term limits. The problem I have is that we have decided that our districts are going to be constituted based upon the population of the district. Not the number of registered voters, but the population of the district. But on some remote rule that I haven't found yet, in state law. And you talk about being denied your vote. Let's go into a place that has 15%, 30% registration. And they elect a full-time council person. And I have no way to get at that council person because they're not for the city, they're for the district. And so the authority you vest without term limits is forever. And I'd ask you not to do that. Either take on the job of changing the approach to at-large council members, more at-large council members, or change the rule to registered voters in a district. I have no problem with that. But you deny registered voters the right to vote when you keep it as it is today. And yet it's not part of your discussion. So the only answer I could ask for is please vote for term limits until you can fix the problem. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your talk. Thanks, Jim. Mm -hmm. Ms. Hastings. I um, want to, I'm sorry to, to have not made these comments when we covered them, but it was from page 10, the public outreach. I just have two minor things to add. Um, and the paragraph three, three, the outreach focus on education information. I know that my newspapers published several articles on this already and plan to do more. And in the fourth paragraph, when we're talking about the town hall meetings, we were able to secure co-sponsorships by six neighborhood associations. And I think that's important. Chris? Uh, Mr. Chair, my comments were about the minority report section. Oh, okay. Do we're, we, is we're that about a, to get there. Okay. <laughs> I can wait. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Let's go on to the minority report section. And th there's a process issue that we talked about a little bit earlier, but we're going to have to have uh, those folks that want to draft language for minority reports present language on October 12th and hopefully the um, we would get approval of that report language on the 19th. Now we talked about an additional meeting on what was that date? Um, 26. 26th. 26th. Um, we're going to go ahead and have that meeting. So, would we be able to maybe have the draft language uh, of these minority reports um, submitted on the 12th, reviewed on the 19th, and approved on the 26th? Something like that? Okay. All right. Um, if that sounds like a process, let's uh, let's talk about minority reports. Chris, 
Well, Mr. Chair, I don't, I don't know that that timeline works well. Um, well, because, um, come up with a suggestion then. The, I, I would reserve my right to, to do a minority report, but I'm not going to have the advantage of having staff to help draft that. And I, um, before I decided if I do want to write anything, I would want to hear from the public at the meetings that we're going to be having um, past the 12th. Um, so I'd like, to, I'd like to hear from staff about what the last possible moment is that we could submit that to give us all the committee members a chance to figure out if they want to say something in the minority report and uh, to incorporate all the testimony and the advice and suggestions we've heard from people out in the city. I think our thought was that um, if you had at least a preliminary uh, report on the 12th, then the discussion could occur there or that the committee members could look at it and then you could receive their comments on the 19th. Those could be incorporated, so then you'd have the final version on the 26th for approval. That, well, kind that of, would be the idea, just to put us on notice that you're going to be doing it and maybe give us an outline or something of what you're going to say. It wouldn't have world. to be in writing on the 12th. You could just summarize where yeah, you're going and, and get the comments. Co similar to collecting the comments tonight, same kind of thing. That's a bit helpful because I'm trying to figure out what kind of comments I would need if, if hypothetically I were to draft a minority report and I was the only author of it, what kind of comments would I need from the majority on that? That's what I'm mulling in my head at the moment. But um, a verbal outline is probably doable. Yeah, I, I think a verbal outline on the 12th, so at least the committee knows where, what you're thinking and, and there can be a dialogue about it. And, and that you intend to do one. Sure. I, I mean, it, if, if we know on the 12th that, that there are going to be four minority reports that are going to be prepared, here's an outline of what I'm thinking about. Yeah. So let me raise another question then. Um, I can foresee an instance where, um, just like we had different reasons for supporting certain things in the majority report, members might have different reasons for not supporting the recommendation. So um, would we break and would we divide that so we maybe have minority report A and minority report B, or how, how should we structure that? Patty seems to be looking at me to see if I have some suggestions. <laughs> I think you can structure it however you want to structure it. But obviously with each vote has, it, look, it appears to me every single vote has some minority vote. And therefore the minority report may be structured, for example, by issue. You could have a minority report on issue one. The minority report, and, or you have a subheadings under the minority report. It's one minority report. Subheading A is the governance. Subheading B is term limits. Subheading C is budget. And then it would be drafted uh, accordingly. Just, and just to supplement that, in the King County Charter Review Commission 2007-2008, Appendix B contains some minority reports. And essentially what they've done is they've drafted some language on two different issues. And in each case, different people signed on to that minority report. So in one case, six individuals did. And then different individuals, three different individuals signed on a different minority report. Ms. Hastings. 
it oh. looks like it's just a paragraph or so. It's not, I mean, report maybe is a, um, it may not have to be as long as that. It could be a paragraph or two that's inserted into the final report or as an appendix to the final report. I mean, I'm not sure how the committee would want to even incorporate it in. Does that, we could give you this example if you'd like. Is that helpful to you? Yes. Okay. Ms. Hastings. I like the idea of having it be the minority report be immediately after the recommendation. So it's, it's considered during the thought process as you review this. If the vote was, you know, six to three, then you have the, the case for the six votes. And then if, if it's submitted, the case for the, the three votes. And, and rather than now, I think there's also a case if if you know someone wants to, well, I, you know, and I'm just wondering aloud here, from like Mr. Newland's um, uh, issues comment, that this would become an attachment. Chris, you may have your own. I mean, it, you know, allowing for larger explanations. Also, I have a question, and I'm not sure where this fits in, because it was kind of talking about the timing. And that's, is it possible, I know that the um, each of the community meetings are going to have somebody transcribe um, the comments. Rather than waiting to get all those at the end, is it possible, you know, sometime after the meeting or maybe a summary of that week that we could be emailed those comments? so that we could be processing it as we go along, as opposed to just having a whole bunch of comments at the very end? Right. We can we can type up whatever is scribed, and, and there are going to be people there who are capturing the comments, and we can do that, um, and follow up you know, within a couple of days normally following the meeting and send it out to everyone. Okay, so the process is going to be that on the 12th we'll have notice from those individuals who want to submit minority reports, maybe a tentative outline of what they intend to say. Then on the 19th we're, we're going to take a look at the report um, as it's been revised, hopefully with, with the detail on the minority reports and comment on it and revise it, make changes or whatever, and then on the 26th we'll be doing a final report. Um, in prep, and that'll be our final vote. Um, and I think we'll probably on the 19th, I, w I would think we'd want to take at least a uh, straw poll to find out where we are. <laughs> to make sure we got seven votes for the major recommendations. That would be important. Okay. Um, anything else on the minority reports? Oh, I'm sorry. Ellen? Um, I actually had a somewhat different vision, and I've been adjusting it as I've heard. I had thought of the minority reports as sort of like judicial dissents at the end with their own narrative structured however the writer chose to write them. And um, the idea of them being structured in such a way to be based on the recommendations I, I think makes sense and is a, is a revision of that thought. 
But the more I played that out, and I was unfortunately doing too much thinking as all the conversation was going on, is I think just given the timing constraints we have, that much integration of the minority reports into the main report is just is going to be highly problematic. And I think it's worth observing that by definition, any group of minority people have a much easier time putting together their comments than anyone in the majority because by definition the minority doesn't have a Brown Act consideration to have a conversation amongst themselves. Um, so I... I, I guess I'm, given the fact that the timing constraints we're facing are already, as, as our roundtable commentary process this evening showed, the time constraints we're facing have already inhibited the ability of the majority to frame its, uh, its comments in a, in, a, in a way that would give us yet another meeting to take some stuff and vet it and have some people comment. Um, I'm just hoping that the inherent... Uh, lack of consultation barrier the minority faces doesn't cause this process to be imbalanced, an Im imbalanced, an imbalance that would not occur if we didn't face the time constraints we faced. Um, but I'm sure that this will play out. So, yeah, I, th I think Alan, the way the way Cecily was was talking about is is not unlike what you said, and that is the minority reports would be written in a form as a dissenting opinion or whatever, but then all she was saying is that they'd be referenced with our recommendation so that you would point to the report at the end of the report and maybe a couple phrases. She's not saying try to summarize the report in, in the main report. That's not the point. The report itself will probably, the minority report will stand on its own but it should be referenced when you're reading the recommendation. Oh, by the way, there is a minority report that is different in these particular areas, something like that is what I was thinking. Okay, actually, I, I think I prefer that. I understood it differently with a sort of, you know, C appendix as opposed to two pages of text following. Oh, no, I don't, I don't think. I, okay. I think if we try to summarize, for example, if Chris has a minority report and we, okay. we try to summarize it, then we're going to get into a big fight. Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense. Okay. Dr. Newland. Whether I should discuss this little paper of mine uh, here or when we're talking about the outreach programs, I'm not sure. If it is reasonable, I would like to send an electronic copy of this to the, uh, so that at least it could be posted uh, along with this report for people to look at. Whether it should also be distributed in neighborhood meetings, I don't know. But I do think it's useful for us to inspire a considerable range of discussion at the neighborhood meetings. Then one other item. Uh, I do apologize for not getting this to all the committee earlier. I've had a very rough week and a half, and I just couldn't get to it earlier. But one paragraph that was not clear in my earlier issuances, I do invite you to study. That's the top paragraph on the second page. And Bill Edgar has very properly already stressed it. So let me repeat it to you. It says the city's manager should serve as a professional with broad authority of the council, including the mayor. And that would mean then that typically in council manager governments today, a qualified majority of the council selects the 
city manager, the mayor must be a member of that qualified majority. In essence, that's the mayor's veto. But it still has the great value that the process of selection is a broad professional one and I think brings greater authority then to the relationship. And I would invite this committee at least to think of that as an alternative to the proposal of the mayor's appointment of the manager. Uh, in addition, in this short memo, but as I've said in earlier memos, I also get to what I think are deficiencies in the initiative that has led to our deliberations. And uh, I spell those out that by and large, I think that initiative would lead to a weak and often fractured city council and it would lead to a narrowed civic leadership. And I do think the council manager government is more consistent with a mayor of the competencies that our present mayor has to be a star. So I would uh, keep in mind I'm not against a mayor that's a star mayor. It's just a matter of what structure is most likely to achieve that. Thank you, Chet. Um, one, one thing that's occurred to me as we talk about these minority reports, I suppose it is possible to draft a minority report, submit it, sign it, and so on, and then vote yes on the overall report. Right? Right? No, I, I was saying, let, let's assume, for example, Chet Newland has a problem with our one recommendation. But he could, and he can submit a minority report and argues, as he has, strenuously for his position. But in the final analysis, say he loses that issue. He can still vote for the entire report on balance, he'd have to step back and say, okay, I don't agree with this, but generally I vote for the entire report, right? Yeah, okay. Just so that we're all in the same wavelength. Everybody get that? All right. Okay. Any Are you proposing then that we're going to have a, instead of voting um, and dividing the question, that you're going to have a final vote on the whole package? Because that, that seems a little different than what we've been talking about until this point. So are you talking about combining the question? We're going to be voting on the final report as a report in the end. We have to vote on the entire report. The votes are still recorded. <clears throat> the votes are still recorded. But you're going to have to make the fundamental decision for some some folks are going to have to make the final decision that on balance, am I for this overall report or not? Dr. Newland. With Chris, I'm assuming that we shall vote affirmatively to submit the report to advise the city council and that that committee will include a minority report by Chris and possibly a minority report by three or four of the others of us. I'd rather not have one just of Chet Newland alone. <laughs> sure, I'd love to convince all of you <laughs> to join in on it. 
Well, so that's the reason I keep submitting these early, so at least you can look at them and think them through. And Chris has very, been very open up front, too, so at least we all know where he's coming from. But by and large, yes, I agree, we'll probably vote to submit the final report to the council and that it will make it quite clear that on some distinct elements uh, there are minority reports and possibly in one case a very major minority report. <laughs> okay. Mr. Chair, uh if I can clarify something which I think is what staff has been trying to explain and I think what the chair is explaining and the discussion that's going on. There are tentative decisions so far. Eventually this committee needs to come back and adopt final decisions on each of the substantive issues that have been presented to it. Right. That will be reflected in the record and in the minutes as taken. The results of those will be in the report as individual issues, and the votes will be clarified in the report. Then there will be a separate vote on approval of the report for submission to council, right. which you're not, no one's changing their substantive vote on any issue. You're just saying, looks good, I like the font size you used, you got all my, you put in all the comments that we liked, it looks fine, there are no major typos, you got my, my name spelled correctly and go ahead and submit this as a true and accurate representation of the committee's work up to this point. So I think that's really how the process will end up working over the next two or three committee meetings is to come back with the report to, to, that incorporates the discussion tonight in a draft form. There'll need to be a final vote on each of the issues as presented in the report. And then once everything's um, staff and the minority drafters have submitted everything for editing and, and copying purposes, it'll come back for a vote at the last meeting for the final um, approval, thumbprint, for presentation to council. I hope I accurately reflected everything that we've discussed. That's what I thought I, or what I was trying to say. Thank you, Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anything more on this? Just one quick issue. Oh, two more speakers. Okay. Um, Rhonda Irwin and Henry Harry. That the do nothing commission did nothing, so I came down here to see just what you do. And it um, seems to me like you did a lot, and you are doing a lot, and I'm very proud of you. And I just have a question, and I have so many notes, but, I, you know, time here, I'm not going to be able to ask you everything I'd like to. But in, in regards to the city manager, um, it's a mayor appoints, I mean, I'm, I'm really just trying to get an understanding. If the mayor appoints a city manager, does that mean, obviously, it could mean that every four years we could have a new city manager? Because, I mean, that to me seems as though we'd be walking on a treadmill. Um, you know, because the manager would have to, again, learn how to manage the city. You know, um, so, I mean, I'm just asking. The guy could be wrong. Maybe you found some way around that. And this is my first meeting. I apologize. And, um, but could someone, or I'll just keep going. Well, um, that, that's, that's a very good uh, observation and is essentially the essence of what some of our debate has been. So uh, you've hit the nail on the head. So oh, okay. some people disagree. Some people don't. 
Oh, okay, okay. Well, you know, having met the city manager that we have now, um, you know, I'm, I, I feel, you know, it was also mentioned, I, I'm going to skip what I was going to ask. It was also mentioned um, that the city manager, um, the problem with it is that he's not accountable to the public. You know, and um, having met the city manager, you know, I sent out an email, I don't know, maybe about two years ago, I could be wrong. And I was upset about something I read in the paper, and I blasted the city manager. <laughs> and and um, I got an email from the city manager's office saying that he would like to meet with me um, at a coffee shop, and let's have coffee and talk about it. You know, and, um, you know, there wasn't a special assistant. There wasn't any advisors. There wasn't any, you know, media, publication, press release. You know, city manager met with community member. You know, it was just done in quiet and that was it you know and so I, I would like to say that if, if we have a council who can effectively hire a city attorney who among all his other managing a city manager excuse me who among all his other you know able to manage the city and also meet with the general public you know I, I think that a city manager is held accountable you know um, I I think Ray Heritage has been held accountable um, you know that's just my opinion and there was another question I wanted to ask um, well, I'm just going to drive it in here and make it personal. Okay, if we have a mayor who um, is his hiring, uh, his ability to hire some folks who are ethical, um, and we give him the power to appoint a city manager, you know, that, that seems as though there would be a problem with that. And if we have a mayor who um, has the inability to fire some folks, I mean, excuse me, we have a mayor who has the ability to fire some people who seem qualified, you know, then I think we have a problem with that. And if we give them the hiring and firing, does that mean that once we get a city manager and it seems that it doesn't work out, that that mayor can fire that city manager? And then we have to hire another one and fire that one and hire another one? And I mean, because I, 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 that doesn't seem like it makes sense to me. And I, my time is up, and I won't take any more of your time, but thank you very much. And can somebody please answer that last question? <laughs> Thank you very much. Anybody want to respond to the speaker? Yeah, my view on that is that um, in most cities where they've gone to an executive mayor, the city managers change with the new mayor. However, there is a possibility that that won't happen this time in Fresno, but most of the time it does. Mm -hmm. Other cities where you have a council manager system, the manager probably stays through uh, most changes in the, the mayor. Um, the, the question here is, is it's very important that the, I think everyone concurs that the manager and the mayor work together mm -hmm. to move the policy agenda, to make changes, whatever they have to do to make our city better. And that's, that's very important that they do that. And um, normally the city council interviews and appoints uh, the city manager for that purpose, to carry on the day-to-day -day business of the city. It's being suggested that in order to uh, ensure that the mayor and the manager uh, work together collaboratively to make sure that policy is carried forward, that the mayor should have a heavier role in the appointment of, mm -hmm. of the, and that's what we're discussing. We, you know, a, a majority of, of this committee feels that that probably we ought to make that change. Mm 
uh, just to ensure that the mayor and the manager work together to move ahead. But we're going to go out to the community and talk to people just like you, find out what they think. And there is a possibility that when come back to the committee, look at our recommendations, there may be changes based upon that. And that's why we call these recommendations tentative recommendations, because they can't, they can't change. Okay. I'm sorry. I feel like I didn't get um, – so if, if – okay, we put the mayor in office. He's there for four years. So we put the mayor appoints the city manager. The city manager is there. I'm asking, is he there for four years, or can his head be on the chopping block every other year or well, every other argument? It depends on the new mayor. It, he doesn't – he's not appointed for a term. Yeah, that's what I – Yeah, he's not appointed for a term. No. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, I wanted to thank you. I think you're correct. When a new mayor comes in, that mayor needs the experienced city manager and staff in order to behave as a star leader to come in and two weeks later recommend a brand new charter and upset the whole apple cart is not a very effective way of getting a collaborative support of the city council and accomplishment. In short, if there's any time that one needs continuity of a city manager and of a professional staff, it is at the point of that transition so as to enhance the effectiveness of the new mayor and the council members. So thank you. Okay, we're on item number... We have Henry here. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for uh, the work that you're doing. My name is Henry Harry, and I really want to make sure that we get a good turnout in the uh, Oak Park community. And I, I think uh, Mr. Uh, Newland echoed something that uh, I wanted to bring up. Uh, he talked about, I think, filing an electronic copy of some of these documents so more people could see them. What I want to uh, push is that uh, can we push a media campaign around these town hall meetings uh, over several days to make sure that uh, everybody can get out and, and deal with this important issue. We've tried to do that. Cecily, you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, in the, the newspapers that I publish that go within the city districts, um, I did a sponsored a pretty aggressive advertising campaign for the meetings that are in the actual neighborhoods um, that we serve um, and went to the neighborhood associations in the district and asked them to co-sponsor the events, which would hopefully bring, at the minimum, their board members to come and, and participate in um, this one particular meeting or any of the other meetings that are available. Um, I was a little concerned today that the article appeared in the Sacramento Bee that had no reference whatsoever to the fact that these um, town hall meetings are starting on Wednesday night. So this is a good time, I guess, for me to bring up that have these notices gone to the B? Are there going to be news digest items? Have they been given to the writer Ryan Lillis, who covered this story and left out a big pivotal moment, I think? We, in fact, we were just talking about that. If you'll recall, Neighborhood Services sent out the calendar to 3,000 email subscribers, which includes uh, individuals, associations, business associations, uh, CBOs, the whole gamut. Uh, what we're going to do, we were just talking, is we're going to send out a press release, and in fact, the clerk's office has a, a 
tweet that they can use so we can um, send out a tweet message to everybody subscribed to that, which tends to be the media, uh, and alert them that they know so they can help us with this. And we can work on public um, uh, public information notices, like you said, public bulletin boards, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Just one final point. If, if you can, can you maybe uh, hit the radio stations? You know, a lot of people listen to the music, so thank you. Yeah. We'll include them on our media hit. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much. We're on item number four, town hall meetings. Um, members, you have uh, a schedule of town hall meetings uh, before you that we've included with the agenda. And then you also received today some presentation materials that we've developed um, kind of as a guide for those of you who will be speaking to the groups over uh, the next month or so, um, I think we need to go to the schedule and find out who is able to attend these meetings and who will be the presenter, um, because I can't be at some of these meetings. So why don't we go to the schedule first, uh, which is in your agenda packet. First one is coming up. Um, Wednesday at Natomas. Um, who from the committee is going to be there? Joanne, Cecily, anybody, and John. Anybody else? Uh, okay. Good turnout. Who? I can't be there. So who wants to be the presenter? Cecily. Okay. Chair Edgar, I, I just want to remind you here uh, um, that we are not noticing these as meetings of the committee. And so if we reach a quorum, um, we've, got a we're gonna, we've got a problem. Yeah, so, okay. uh, Well, I, I only saw four. Okay. Uh, well, I just wanted to remind you of I that. I can't imagine we'll have a quorum at each one okay. of these, but it could be. Okay, Cecily will be at the 23rd. All right, how about Thursday the 24th at uh, um, Benalai? Okay, and Alan, Cecily, uh, Joanne, and Joanne, okay. Who wants to be the presenter there? Cecily, you want to do this one too, then? Okay. And then at uh, in the pocket, Elk Grove and uh, Elk's Lodge, who who's going to be there? Okay. No, I can't. Okay. 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 Who wants to make the presentation? Okay, thank you, Joanne. Okay, we've got in September, we've got uh, Cecily making the first presentation. She'll make the one at Ben Alley, and then Joanne will make the one at the Elks Lodge. Okay, the one's in October. Um, uh, do we have people at October 1? Okay. We've got a good group going. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Um, who wants to make the presentation? Okay. Okay. May I comment on that presentation a bit? I'm not sure that we need to stick to a hierarchical concept of just one presenter. We really need to have open discussion. And, uh, okay. What's your thought here? Well, I would still a, have, a, as you're doing, I would have someone who's willing to chair it along the way. And frankly, even though I'm a minority on one issue, I think I have the capacity to do that. But it might be better to let someone else do it. But I would like to see some discussion uh, from people who show up who support the mayor's initiative, the proposal of this group and others, and sure we need some reaction and understanding of what this committee is reporting. So it needs to be a fairly open discussion, not just a presentation. Okay, I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. So, so for, for those people who are taking the lead on these presentations, you know, it would be good to involve the other members that are there. That's, good. That's a good idea. Okay. Um, how about Tahoe Elementary? Here, l let me make a suggestion on who is uh, going to be attending these meetings. Mark, can we submit these names to you? And if we've got a Brown Act problem, let us know yeah. uh, so that we don't violate that. So if you can kind of confirm your attendance at each of the meetings you plan to do, and then we'll kind of solidify that uh, as, as we go along here. Okay. Um, how about the um, Tahoe Park? Who wants to take the lead on that? Chet, you want to do that? Oh, I'll be there. Okay. I can be there. I'll be there. Okay. Sam Brannan. I'm sorry, Chair. How many do we have for Sam Brannan? Five. Okay. Okay. Uh, who wants to take the lead on that? Okay. And Caleb Greenwood. Okay. And um, let's see, on the 14th, Sam Pinnell. Okay. Okay. I can take the lead there if you want. And Sierra, too. Tina, do you live you live in that neighborhood, don't you? Oh, that's right. You're gone. Okay. Okay. So, okay, Cecily, you want to take the lead then on on Sierra too? Okay. All right. 
Now let's, um, so we've got, did you get the leads on those individuals? Okay, could we have an email maybe on that? And then we'll get back to you on who's going to be there. And I, I kind of like uh, Chet's idea of, of kind of collaborating and, and working this as a team. And for those minority reports, um, uh, those individuals that have minority reports uh, probably will be called on at those meetings to articulate their position. Okay. Um, Ms. Hastings. I think at the meetings that the, the one element of the unknown will be the uh, questions and comments from the audience members, some that may be very savvy and have reviewed all materials and some that just came to the meeting. And so I think having the, the um, especially having the participation of the committee members during that process is key that we have, you know, different people field answers according to, you know, their skill set of understanding these issues. And I think also engaging people, uh, people that make comments and that maybe don't have the benefit of under an in-depth understanding, being able to maybe take that, uh, you know, have that turn into more of a conversation about why they may feel that way or what's behind that so that we can really try to understand uh, the issues. Okay. Anything more on this issue? Anything about the, um, that we need to tell the staff about the present? What are the logistics of these presentations? Well, um a couple things. It, my suggestion would be is that uh, as far as format, that the lead welcome and open the meeting and introduce the uh, committee members that are present. Um, we have a uh, PowerPoint that, again, is a guide, but it provides with consistent information. And I apologize for the delay in just getting it to you today, but it's sort of uh, a little bit of Charter 101, as you said, we're going to probably have the gamut of people who don't know anything to people who are very savvy. And so I think in, it's important to be at least consistent with the level of information that's provided. So our thought was to take this PowerPoint and we would reproduce it and have it as a handout uh, for the people who attend. And then um, my suggestion would be is you go through at least a summary kind of presentation of this material, particularly if you've looked at the back of the report where we've done these graphics, and I want to thank Ms. Hastings for the concept, where it really kind of graphically depicts uh, what, what currently exists, what the committee's recommendation is, and what the uh, certified initiative is. I think this really helps um, put it in simple terms. Uh, for folks, and maybe walk through those and then solicit comments. Uh, they were, unfortunately, we're at such a variety of venues that each one has different uh, layout, equipment. Um, it's a real challenge to do all of this in three weeks. So I talked to Vincene Jones today, and, and um, basically what you'll find is we're going to be theater style. And um, the lead will have a microphone, and we can have a roving microphone in the audience, or we may have one where we have people actually line up to come comment. It's 
particularly if you have a large crowd, that's a good way to manage um, because if you have a dialogue with 100 people there, it ends up maybe not so much of a dialogue. Um, and, and so we'll kind of have to play it by ear depending on how many people are there. But that would be my suggestion on the, uh, the format. And then we will be scribing, um, as we said, and we'll collect the comments. My suggestion would be is, is if there's a question you can't answer, it's okay to put it over on, on another sheet and say, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Let us get back to you or let us find out and we can post it even on our the Charter um, Committee website. That You're not going to have a projector and a screen then? No, we um, just logistically we can't do that at every, some have screens, some have no screens. Some places even the electrical is an issue. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just as far as having the, you know, the extension cord and taping it down, everything. I mean, it's just, it's... Okay. That's why we thought if we had copies of this for everybody and they could just follow along with you. Okay. Mr. Tapia. I had a couple comments on the handout, on the PowerPoint presentation. Would now be the appropriate time to go through some of those? Sure. Um, on the graphic about who should appoint or remove city charter officers. The description of the committee recommendation has a little blue icon for the city manager, though um, I don't think the city manager has any role in the appointment of charter officers. Um, I think basically we're talking about the status quo, so we should probably just duplicate the current slide. I think we added this because I thought the committee recommendation was that the city manager would be appointed by the right. mayor with confirmation. So then the, the following slide, and we should, could actually reverse the order if you'd like, talks about the city manager. And so that's why we sort of separated that out with the dotted line. Did, if you look at the next page, do you see the next one on the city manager? But it doesn't have anything to do with the appointment of charter officers. Well, we can we can remove that little icon if you'd like. We were just trying to make it clear that the city manager was different than the other three based on the committee's uh, tentative decision. I think it confuses it. It okay. makes it look like the city manager. Okay, well, we, we, we can take that out. Charter officers. Tend to agree. It confuses it. Now, now, which slide are you disagreeing with? Or it's what? um. The one that's facing right there, who this should appoint or remove the seat. Yeah. And you'll see the little purple icon for the city manager on the lower right. Okay. You just, that is confusing. Why did you just remove it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, another one on the following page, who should appoint or remove the city manager. Um, the, the bottom one, the committee recommendation, there's two icons. There's the mayor and the city manager. Uh, that's not what happens. That's not the committee's recommendation. The mayor, I was talking about that, but that's not what the majority report is. Um, the mayor will nominate, and there's the text with confirmation of majority of the city council, but um, I think at a minimum you need to have um, the eight other little icons representing the other members of the council um, because this, this makes it sound like, it makes it look like the mayor appoints and removes the city manager and, you know, with confirmation, the majority of the city council written at the bottom, it's just, it's not clear enough. Okay. 
I think it, it's the way it ought to be revised is pretty similar to what we have up here currently, and maybe with some notation of the fact that mayor nominates city manager, something along those lines. Who should appoint or remove the city manager? Actually, the initiative says the mayor shall appoint. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about the committee recommendation. And that's, an, that's another good point because it makes it look like the committee's recommendation is identical to the certified initiative, which it's not. Um, let's see. What the so, recommendation of the committee was that that the mayor appoint the manager with the confirmation of the council, right? I'd say nominates. That's, no, that's not what we voted on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you you can say that, but that's not the case. In fact, the initiative doesn't say that either. The process. Okay. No, I'm talking about the committee and Nick. Uh, Could we say that the the um, there's an appointment and then there's a a confirmation, and so have two different lines, so that there'd be the mayor appoints and then the council confirms. Because that's basically what the committee did. So there's almost two rows of people. So it's two. That, that's what we voted on. And huh? That's what we voted on. Correct. And yeah. so it, you could have the mayor um, appoints, and then in the next row down, council confirms, and you'd have the icon of the council. In the initiative, the... Council confirmed too. I thought the critical difference was that was the removal, not the appointment. The appointment, for all intents and purposes, is the same. It's the removal that's different. I believe so. What's the initiative say? The initiative uh, reads: There shall be a city manager who shall be appointed by the mayor, subject to concurrence of the majority of the city council. Yeah. Well, then that's the same as the committee recommendation. Correct. Yeah. The difference is the removal. Is the removal? Yeah. The, 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 the board removes out of the certified initiative line. That's Correct. Actually, wouldn't you take the word "removed" out of the committee recommendation line? Or actually, strong mayor initiative doesn't. Well, I'm, I'm, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry. The, the mayor, under the committee recommendation, appoints and removes with the confirmation of the majority of the city council. That's actually true. In the initiative, the, the mayor appoints with the confirmation of the majority of the city council and can remove unilaterally. Yeah, exactly. Majority and take it out of appoints and removes. So there'd be one slide on appointment and one on removal. No, 
No? Just under the, the line where it says with confirmation of majority of the city council on the certified initiative, put removal is done unilaterally, or, yeah. or however that should be said. Yeah, I, I think the center one's the one that's wrong. It's, it's clearly uh, their points for the confirmation of the city council in the initiative. The initiative, however, says the city manager will serve at the pleasure of the mayor. Well, then that the is city different manager serves at the pleasure of the mayor. Yeah. I think people can understand what that means. <laughs> well, how do we change this chart then? That, that, that's, take, okay, the certified initiative section. Remove right. the word removes okay. from the center. Under with confirmation of majority of the council, then add another line, city manager serves at the pleasure of the mayor. That's correct. Okay. That got it, Chris? I think it's some, it might be helpful visually if you had the icons next to the point of the other council members. So that you know the mayor could be the, the big icon here where he appoints, and have smaller ones for the council members referring to the appointment authority. So that you know the appointment it, it to, to visually reflect the fact that it requires confirmation of the council in both slides. Um, yes. That's why I was suggesting maybe a separate slide for appointment versus removal so it doesn't get too jammed up. But you're the, you're the editor, so I'm going to defer to you. <laughs> you know, I think that combining, and some of them have been combined as we'll review, I think is probably a good idea because I'm not sure um, looking at it one way and then looking at it another. I think it's, I like having it on one because it's, you can relate. You're hired, you're fired. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's not kind of Maybe a... Maybe side by side. Yeah, and maybe we're um, using Chris's idea with confirmation of the majority of the city council have eight very, very small little blue heads <laughs> down there, you know, by that line. So you got the eight little Indians, right? <laughs> and then have the same thing on the committee recommendation, just to indicate that there are, you know, eight people are involved in this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else, Chris? No. Okay. Okay, that, that I think underscores um, Chet's idea that we're going to have to do this as a team when we're out there because this does take a little bit of an explanation. Right, and we are going to uh, put together a, a version of this that has some speaking points, some details behind it that we'll email to all of you so you can have, you know, some notes. For instance, on the one with the um, a point in removing of city employees, maybe talking a little bit about who are in this group of 800. It includes the department heads, which is, you know, police chief, fire chief, heads of parks and recreation, and others, just so if you can add a little detail behind that when you're making the presentation.
particular who should appoint remove non-union city employees. I like the idea of department managers and non-union city employees, those two putting together. Um, and I would like at some point to have someone walk away, and I don't know if you could put it in the column here, but with a list of what those department managers are. Because I don't, I tell you, you could hold a gun to my head and I couldn't tell you right now what all of them are. And I know the city pretty well. So I think it's important for people to visualize this is the chief of police, this is the fire chief, this is the director of development and parking and transportation and, and those different things. Again, it helps people, you know, connect with what that is. And the only other comment is the 800 plus and minus, that that's much, much bigger and bolder. It looks kind of like a little thing at the end, and for those other than 775 people that aren't listed by little heads here. And then I have one more comment on the entire package, um, and that is where it says certified initiative, that that says strong mayor certified initiative. I think, you know, that's, that's the name it's gotten. That's what people are, you know, understand about it. It may not be its official name in some capacity, but I just think that makes it a, a that's just some, a point of reference that's fairly common knowledge. And I think to leave this off, this is, is going to be asking them to make more connections that they might not be able to make. Well, that, that's the name of the initiative, too, and I understand that, but I, um, the term strong mayor, maybe I'm just being too bureaucratic here, but it, it, you can have a strong mayor in any form of government. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> okay, okay. Or just put the letters S-M. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just something so that people can understand as they go through this. So they know, so they know. Keep track of it. So this is what's being talked about in the community. Yeah. Exactly. So that's identification. That's what identification. the conversation has been so yeah. far. It's been about strong mayor. It hasn't been about recommendations. It hasn't been about current. It's all about strong mayor. And I think if we ignore it, we do it at our own risk of lack of understanding. National League of Cities model city charter um, describes what a strong mayor um, measure is, and it's it's not what is qualified. Um, I, you know, others call it the boss measure, the boss mayor measure. You know, um, I, I don't think that's an appropriate characterization either. Um, I would just prefer to leave it the more neutral certified initiative. There's only one initiative that we're talking about. There's only one that's been certified. I think you can refer to it as a strong mayor if you want, but I think in the written materials, we just ought to refer to it as the legal name. Well, I'm just having trouble with that. On the very front page of the initiative submitted, it says strong mayor charter amendment. Yeah. Thank you. That's what's known. Thank you. That's what's known. That's what it is. It's a disservice to the public. <laughs> exactly Don't get me started on terminology. Was how it was identified in the B this morning? It's never identified any which way other than that. Right. 
Okay, what do you want to do? Change it? Yes. Well, it's not. It's an initiative at this point, so I think that's important. But I think it's got to say strong mayor, certified initiative. <coughs> that's what it is. You want to vote on this or? Okay, vote. Joanne Fuller? Yeah. Cecily Hastings? Yes. Now we're voting on Strong Mayor Certified Initiative. Yes. Okay. Gretlin mm -hmm. Johnson? Aye. Alan LaFasso? Yes. Robert Murphy? Yes. Chester Newland? Abstain. Chris Tapio? No. John Taylor? Yes. Tina Thomas? Yes. Jay Wisham? Yes. And Chair Edgar? Yes. It passes. <coughs> okay. Anything else on this item? I, I'd like to point out, we haven't talked about this graph that starts right before the, uh, the graphics. It's a matrix that um, we put together to kind of show a spectrum of uh, mayor authority, everything from strong mayor to um, a council manager form of government, less strong. And so I just wanted to make sure you saw this at, because it's included in the packet. I think it's the first time you've seen it. And the idea is that this is just to illustrate that um, there's, as you know very well, uh, variations on the roles and authority of mayor and what those might be. And then these are just uh, examples of where some of your benchmark cities align there and the kinds of authorities the mayor has just to, to show the difference between those. Because I think people think strong mayor, as we found out even at some of our July meetings, they think it's an either or versus variations on that. And so that was the purpose of this illustration. Okay, thank you. Cecily? I just had one question on this, um, and maybe it's my memory's faulty, but and when we spoke with the mayor of Albuquerque, I thought he said he was challenging term limits in court that he had run for, there was some t contentious thing and he was trying to run again and he was challenging them. So th that would probably be a yes instead of a no unless I'm totally off base. We'll double check that. But I think he may have already, I, I think the course, the court case may have already run its course through the courts, in which case I think they determined he was able to run for an additional term. But that may be the upcoming election. I'll double check that and make sure that this reflects the, the accuracy of the term limits in Albuquerque. Okay, and I have one more. Uh, I don't know if we're going to go through these in more, or can I make a comment on a future panel right now? On the transition time for charter change, that under the committee recommendation, instead of just having November 2012, we actually, underneath that, write out 28 months. So the people don't necessarily have to do the math. <laughs> Okay, I think we're finished with that. Any public comments?
committee ideas or questions? We're adjourned. Thank you.